Welcome to TribCast, the flagship podcast of the Lacrosse Tribune. I'm digital news editor Scott Rada, joined as always by Elizabeth Beyer, and today we have two people from the Lacrosse Public Library Archives Department, Anita Taylor Doring, who runs the archives, along with uh, Scott Brower, one of the archivists over there. Welcome. Thank, Thank you, for you having Scott. Us. And today we're discussing a really exciting project that's a collaboration between the Lacrosse Tribune and the Lacrosse Public Library Archives called Dark Lacrosse Stories. And the first one will be on our site uh, next week early, and we're excited about uh, this new collaboration. And as we were talking before the episode, I think among the many things that this will prove interesting to folks, but we've all heard people in our community when they read the paper and watch the news and they say, oh my goodness, lacrosse used to be such a safe community, and look what happened. I think this may dispel some of those myths a little bit. Is that correct? For sure. Um, yeah. Late 19th century and early 20th century lacrosse were not exactly the safest place in America, as you will find out. Uh, fraught by all kinds of problems, um, communication being one of them among the police department. You'll be hearing stories about that and how much that affected the outcome of uh, several of these stories. Um, how the media portrays these stories is also another whole interesting um, segment to, to consider when you're looking at these headlines and hearing these stories. So you'll, you'll, you'll be learning a lot of things that I think you didn't realize. And, and you know, people listening might think, gosh, I, this is a new project for the Tribune, but this is not a new project at all for the archives. You've been putting these stories together now for uh, several years. Maybe you could kind of describe how, how that got started and some of the response from the community. Sure. Um, Kelly Creek Sigmund, uh, the director of the La Crosse Public Library, came to our department uh, shortly before I started there in 2013. So Anita was there and a couple other staff members were there as well with this idea that she had seen in other cities of a uh, walking tour of the criminal past of the seedy history of a city. Um, and so she thought we could do that with lacrosse, given lacrosse's interesting history, interesting social history, uh, the lumbering industry and the, the river traffic, the early years of lacrosse were some were some rough times, uh, and so we, we thought, yeah, we could probably do that. And you brought people together, and obviously these stories happened long ago, but a lot of these buildings and, and sites are, are still there. Right. The The initial walking tour was, was built with the concept of, let's go to a site where something happened. That building is still there. Let's tell the story of, of the, the criminal thing that happened there, the murder that happened there, the ghost that, that resides in that building. Um, let's talk about those things while we're standing in front of those buildings. And that's the, that was the original walking tour. And then that was pretty popular. Mm -hmm. And you decided this, this had some legs and you wanted to keep going. Right. The, the walking tours, we started in uh, fall of 2013. Uh, they were free as a library program. Uh, and we had uh, well over 1,000 people go on the tours in the first 18 months. We did, a, we did the tour probably about 40 times in 18 months. Um, thanks to some, uh, some wonderful coverage from the Lacrosse Tribune. Uh, it was, it was a, a success right from the start. We had a waiting list over the winter of 2013 and 2014 until we could get back out there in the spring of 2014. We had a waiting list of over 200 people uh, at one time wanting to get on these walking tours. And, and the walking tours turned into something even, even more. Yeah, so the trolley tour, um, we, we did these walking tours and people loved them and we thought, how else can we reach people that may not be able to go on the walking tour given mobility issues uh, or people that uh, aren't here in the winter because um, we were often doing it in the fall and the spring. Um, and so we partnered with uh, Explore Lacrosse, uh, which was the Lacrosse Area Convention and Visitors Bureau at the time, now, now, now known particularly as Explore Lacrosse. 
um, to put it on the trolley. And so they rent the trolley, and we sell some tickets for that. We do that in the summer. Uh, we've been doing that since the summer of 2014, and uh, mostly tourists on that. But I think those first couple of years, we got a lot of residents that had the mobility issues that wanted to do the walking tour but couldn't. And assuming we get summer this year, they'll be back? <laughs> Correct, yes. Uh, we have, uh, I think, a dozen dates set up for this summer already. Uh, you can talk to Explore Lacrosse for tickets for that. And you've also uh, done some of these stories at the Pump House. Yes, we have. We started um, with a grant from the Wisconsin Humanities Council to try again and, and broaden out to even a larger audience. And we thought, what a better way to do that than in, in an historic building. We can see the photos from the time. You really feel the historical context. Um, we have contracted with a local composer and musician, Luke Thering, who's done all kinds of wonderful stuff. So he's taken some long-since-deceased lacrosse composer's music and brought that to life in his own way, put his own twist on it. Um, so we've been very fortunate with that. So we've, it's more of a total immersion sort of thing. Plus, when you're on the walking tour, you have no idea how noisy downtown can be. <laughs> um, all the sirens going by and the planes overhead and people catcalling out the windows and whatnot. So um, this was a good way to kind of capture the audience and really um, hold their attention. And I, I don't know that people learn more that way. You can't actually visit the site. That's the downside. A lot of people actually like to go and see the spot where X happened. Um, but anyway, so that was our idea, um, and those were available free because of this grant that we had. Um, and so we kind of got our legs going on that, and then from there, we've offered this uh, with new content every year as a fundraiser for the Lacrosse Public Library. So we seek out corporate sponsorships. Lacrosse Tribune has graciously been a sponsor for several years now, which we really appreciate. Um, being able to bring those old headlines back to life. So. And, and really a lot of that work that went into putting those tours and shows together is really what we're showcasing in this new series starting uh, Tuesday. And, and the plan, so everybody knows who's listening, is every other Tuesday for maybe up to a couple of years having a new one of these stories told mm -hmm. about sort of the dark history of lacrosse. I, I think it's important also to remind folks that this is nothing that's going to be uh, in most people's uh, memory. These are all stories that go back, uh, what, 50, 60, probably even 75 years at the minimum? The most current story has been from 1953 with Evelyn Hartley's disappearance. And we only did that, that current because of the national significance of that story. And, and the Lacrosse Tribune, in case people don't know, was founded in 1904, and obviously there's a lot of source material there, but there's certainly a lot of things that happened in this town before the Lacrosse Tribune was here. And, and, and many people may not know, but Lacrosse had many, many newspapers uh, in the late 1800s, and you were able to collect a lot of information from those sources, too. Correct, yeah. They, we have newspapers on microfilm at the archives back into the 1850s, in fact. Um, and at one point in the 1880s, 1890s, there was four different newspapers going uh, in La Crosse, and, that, and the La Crosse Tribune was not one of them yet. Uh, and so they often would have political bent. There would be a Democrat paper and a Republican paper. There was a German-language newspaper in La Crosse. Uh, all at the same time, really, there was a Northside-only paper for a little while. Uh, and so we have those on microfilm that we could find these stories uh, and find the, the different ways that they were portrayed in the papers. And often, especially in the heyday of the Democrat and Republican papers, one story would be told in completely different ways. Uh, and so we have to balance what's, what's, what's factual here uh, and which is what is being sensationalized by somebody with a particular political bent. 
Now, on Tuesday, the first story that we're highlighting is called Jailbreak. And, you know, uh, maybe you could just give people a, a, a short uh, sense of what that story is all about. So, 1935, um, we have two inmates of the La Crosse County Jail. Uh, and the county jail that's being featured here is not the one that's currently in downtown. Uh, it's on 10th and Zeisler. Which, which I think few people know where Zeisler I mean, yeah, I yeah. barely knew where Zeisler was. And in the, in the episode, you'll get to see yep. it, actually. We have a, featured a map uh, with the county courthouse on 10th and Zeisler. Uh, and then we I, I kind of superimposed a Google image of the current area, uh, and so people will get a sense of where this actually is. North of the Cross Street, there's a residential neighborhood, uh, 9th, 10th, 11th Streets, for about three blocks north of La Crosse Street. And this is where that jail happens to be. It's on the uh, south edge of the marsh, um, and it was really a towering building um, on the south edge of the marsh. If you're driving south on West Avenue, you can see the par apartment building that's there now. It's called Belmar Apartments. Um, and it's a pretty sizable apartment building that stands on the site of where the county jail was. So this is where that story happens. Um, two inmates break out, and there's a chase uh, in the streets. I mean, it sounds like the, like the plot of a movie, yeah, really. It does. It does, and in fact, the, um, uh, I think Anita mentions it in the, in the uh, research portion of this episode that there's, there's literally people standing on the running boards of these cars shooting at each other in the streets. Wow. So La Crosse has not always been a safe community. <laughs> no. I think we'll prove that with this project. <laughs> well, you know, we'd certainly like to thank you for all the effort and time and, uh, and detail that went into this. I'm, I'm confident as this series unspools over the next months and, you know, a couple years to come that I think people will find this fascinating and, like you said, also learn a little bit about our city's history. And the other thing I should mention, too, and this is, a, you know, you've said some kind words about the Tribune, but I don't think a lot of people quite appreciate um, the valuable resource that the La Crosse Public Library Archives is. I dare say there are few public libraries in our state that have uh, such a, a great uh you know, a facility and, and resource up there. Maybe for just a moment for folks who haven't ever been, can you talk a little bit about uh, sort of the services you provide when you're not putting together uh, episodes such as this? What kind of things people come in to talk about or look for or do research on? Sure. We have a lot of people who are interested in genealogy, particularly area genealogy. We can help people with probably the most, helping them find those sources that they need to answer their questions that they might have. Um, we can also try and help them a little more broadly than the region, but certainly the region would be our, our focal point, our strong point there. Um, our other half of our uh, focus is on um, local history, as you've mentioned. So we have newspapers on microfilm. We have historical maps. We have sandworm maps. We have uh, water tap records. What do we use those for? We use those for finding out property history, how old a, a building is. Um, tax records from the city of La Crosse we have. We are in those daily giant Mongo books that are fun to look at with 19th century writing. Um, all kinds of different things like that. So people can ask us all kinds of questions um, and we try as best we can to help answer their questions. I'm sure you know you get dozens of questions you know every week so I'll put you on the spot. Is there one question you've gotten that you're like wow now I've that, that's one I had not heard before. Uh, trying to think here. Um, there are some that we get asked about every so often that we have no resources for. For instance, the Southside Speed Bowl, uh, which was basically a racetrack, uh, we have very little information. We've got a little bit more now on the Northside one that had been 
uh, kind of in Quick Trip land, I, mm. I'll call it now, the end there of uh, Oak Street and Palace, uh, kind of cut off now from the end of Gillette. But at one time, that was basically um, kind of the town of Campbell. And so you have Campbell Cemetery. It was just to the east of that, which is now a, a parking lot. Um, so we have a little bit of a few photos and things of that uh, one, but like the south side one has been very elusive. We just now found out where it was on a map, but other than that, I don't have much information. And, and what if people are listening to this and saying, gosh, I have something, you know, my grandmother or great-grandmother had that you guys might be interested in. I mean, well, what should they do? Uh, please make an appointment with us or come in and we can look through the materials and see what we would like to make a copy of if you would like to keep your original copies of things. Otherwise, we do have a number of people that just decide to go ahead and donate. My kids aren't interested in this. If you can go ahead and have this, if you don't want anything, you can throw it away or give it to another institution. So we do a fair amount of all of those things. So there's, uh, there's, I'm sure there's many things that have been thrown away over the years you wish you had your hands on. Right, so uh, better to ask first. Right. <laughs> Well, again, thank you for all the good work you do for the La Crosse Public Library Archives, and thanks for stopping in and talking to us a bit about this series. We're looking forward to it. Thank you very much, Scott. We are, too. Thank you.